I think a lot of the student athletes thought it was their, you know, sports or bus for them. Absolutely. And I think that that goes into just an urban community in general, right? Like that, these kids truly believe that's their only way out. And you're talking about a community like, like ours, like McKeesport, we rally around sports, right? Like that's the priority. So when you prioritize sports over academics, why would these kids not prioritize sports over academics? That is podcast. That um, what was your experience like in college? Yeah, so I graduated high school in 2013. Um, I went to Carlo for undergrad just because I wanted to stay close to home. Uh, but I really struggled transitioning just because I was alone. I didn't have my friends. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I was just overwhelmed with the college experience just in general. So at the end of my freshman year, academically, I was not doing well at all. I had a 1.9. So you have that coming to Jesus conversation with your academic advisor and they talked about academic probation and um, then you really don't have a choice but to either sink or swim. So I made the decision to, you know, reach out to the different resources that were available on campus and get the support that I needed. But I think the biggest turnaround for me academically was getting involved on campus Um I ended up joining 27 organizations during my time at Carlo, and there was 27? Like 27 <laughs> wow, organizations on campus. What, what was your favorite one? My favorite one, I was an RA. So, like, RACA, <laughs> they had at your schools. But um, <laughs> I was, like, I loved being an RA. I was an RA for freshmen. I was an RA for boys. I was an RA for co-ed. So I got to kind of experience all of all of the different um kinds of RAs you can be so that was definitely my favorite um you ever kick anyone out no No. (laughs) I'm just joking no but yeah that was that was definitely my favorite um there were close close seconds though um I was an academic tutor I was a team tutor for all of you student athletes so that was for what sport um I was a team tutor for basketball for women and men yeah soccer golf you name it how was it? Like, what was, the, what was the hardest sport? What was the hardest sport to work with? Boys. Boys basketball. Boys in general. It didn't matter the sport. Boys. <laughs> Why is that? Um, the learned helplessness, right? Like that, just understanding that you know girls are just supposed to take over and take control and you know do your schoolwork and. No, it, that that was honestly the mentality. Like all my boys, like didn't want to do their schoolwork because in high school they had all the girls do their schoolwork for them. So yeah. they didn't so, get that love from me. The, wow. At, at Carlo, um, what division is that? It was NAIA, but I guess it was NAIA, yeah. three. Okay, so at, at that at that level, did those dudes have the mentality of playing professional ball? No, um, a lot of them wanted to play overseas. Like that okay. was the end goal for a lot of them. Okay. Did anyone that you know that you have uh, tutored? Did they go overseas? Make it overseas? Yeah, there we actually had a super diverse population at Carlo. Um, right. So I had a couple guys that were like, one was from Sudan, which was really cool. Um, one was from. Uh, Somewhere in West Africa, I'm I'm not a geography teacher, but um, a couple of those guys went overseas, which was cool. One went to play in Greece, 
one went to play in Europe. Um, so, yeah, there were a couple guys that went overseas, which was pretty cool. Oh, that that is great. I know, I know you guys just became co-ed, like, in the past 10 years, 5, 10 years. No, that's the biggest misconception. We've actually – I was a tour guide, too, so I have my speech ready. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually – we've been co-ed since the Second World War. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, literally, like, forever. <laughs> but it just wasn't a thing for guys to live on campus. So they just started living on campus. Um, what about sports? Years. Sorry, Chan. Uh, what do you mean? What about sports? Like, how long have they been? Um, because I, I've, I've rarely, if ever, seen like the boys' basketball team like out there until like the past few years for Carlo. Yeah, so the boys' basketball team started my sophomore year, so okay, okay. 2014, 2015. Um, how was that transition for you? That was awesome. Um, it brought more guys on campus. Um, like, it, I remember at first we had just one floor and it was only half of the floor was boys. But then with the right. boys basketball team, they were able to get, like, two full floors of guys on campus, which was, it, it was needed. Like, we needed the balance between between genders. So it definitely brought some different opportunities on campus. Hey, Chan, being close to home, was, did that affect you uh, have a play in that 1.9 you said you had? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I went home every weekend. Every weekend. I couldn't wait to go home um, because that was my comfort zone. That was my security blanket. And when I went home, um, I was stressed out and school was stressful to me. So the last thing I wanted to do was school. So what, what, what got you out of that home comfort security blanket to, you know, get you, you know, to start swimming in your words instead of uh, sinking? Joining the different organizations. Um, I Okay. The one organization that I joined, um, it was last minute, spur of the moment. It was an alternative spring break crew that went down to Laredo, Texas, um, every spring break. And like I ended up just their flight receiving on like a Monday and Sunday night, they were or Saturday night, they were like, Can you call your mom and see if you're allowed to go? And I like got on a plane for the first time in my life with people I didn't know. And I went down to Texas to build houses with Habitat for Humanity. And wow. Honestly, though, like it was such a surreal experience because in full transparency, like I was miserable. Like I, it was Texas, it's 100 degrees. I was outside building a house. I didn't know how to use a hammer from 6 oh a.m. to 6 I can, only, I can picture you now doing something, doing that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, I remember thinking, but like I was so miserable being there. But then it took like just that, you know, realization that there was such a greater purpose out there. Um, and I needed to fulfill that greater purpose. So it might sound a little cliche, but that I kind of found myself within that opportunity. How, how did that how did that impact your academic performance? I knew that I I wanted to be something one day. And you know, that you have to realize like without academics, without that academic success, it's hard to get where you want to go. Yeah. Unless you're getting into the entertainment entertainment world or a a trade or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of things are requiring a, a ton of schooling, which is which is crazy. So, so you know, with with that being said, what what brought you to the path of being an educator? I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, it's always been my plan A, um, mainly because I didn't I didn't think that I had the teachers I needed growing up. Um, 
So realizing that there were so many kids in the world that just need a, somebody that can relate to them. Uh, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I also always knew I wanted to come home and teach as well because that was so personal to me because I knew that I struggled um, with the educational journey that I had at McKeesport. So I wanted to come back and have a, an impact on it personally. Okay. Okay. So your first two years, you, you didn't teach at McKeesport. You taught at Propel, correct? Yeah. Which so what were you at? What'd you say? Which Propel were you at? McKeesport. Oh, okay. So what, what, what played a part in, cause I, I to my understanding, Propel teachers get paid pretty well. What played a part in that that jump from you know a charter school to a public school like McKeesport? Just um, being home. And- McKeesport, the district was always my end goal, but when I was graduating undergrad, um, Propel offered to pay for my master's degree. So I mean, that only made sense. So I wanted my master's degree. They were going to pay for it. Um, they were going to train me. They trained me really well. Uh, and I would honestly, I would still be at Propel if uh, Dr. Holtzman actually came to my classroom last school year. I was teaching one day and he just popped up. And uh, like after that, I got a phone call like, you know, I, we need you at our district. And it was hard to leave Propel again because they trained me like I I did a lot of great things there. I appreciate them. But like being home is, is a whole different bug. <sighs> Brother, who's a senior in the district you're teaching in, right? Like it, it's personal. <laughs> he probably hated that. <laughs> he has little brother syndrome, really bad. He struggled a little bit in the beginning, but I'll be coming to your classroom like I need lunch money. <laughs> so, uh, Chad, you know you being from the area, so you're no you're no stranger to you know sports. So, as an educator, what, what was your first experience of you know of a student athlete? like this school year, like my first year here in the district? Uh, is that, I'm talking about as soon as you, whenever you started teaching, so your first experience. I'll use this, I'll use this year though, because um, sports and Propel aren't really like prominent. Um, they're still like up and coming mm-hmm. uh, because charter school, it's a charter school, so it's pretty small. Um, but I had, I am, I teach lower level English, right? You and that—that's like an that's like a society, that's an education thing. The new teacher put her in low-level English, right? So it's the first week of school. I'm looking at curriculum, and I looked at the curriculum, and I like immediately was turned off. Um, I came to teach in Urban Ed. I came to do something that's not done at McKeesport, so I wasn't about to disservice my students by teaching them some low-level curriculum when they need exposure to higher-level learning. So I remember going down to um, one of the AP teachers and I was like, listen, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I know you're a good teacher and my kids deserve the same type of exposure that you give to your AP kids. So I said, Mm -hmm. I would like to use your curriculum. It's going to take my kids a little longer to get through it, but I would like to use your curriculum because my kids deserve that. She was totally on board. Um, So it's the first week of classes. I jumped straight in and one of my student athletes, he said, he looked at the the syllabus. He looked at the syllabus and he's like, "This is what is this? I'm not. I can't do this." <laughs> all right, I said, "It's all right. You'll be all right. I, I'm not gonna let you fail. Like, oh, you'll be all right." He didn't know me. I didn't know him that well, so I'm not mad at what he did. But his immediate reaction was to go get switched out of my class. Uh-huh. So he gets switched out of my class. I see him in the hallway. I'm like, "Hey, well, why weren't you in class?" 
your class is too much. I said, well, I'm sorry to break it to you, buddy, but I, my class is as low as it gets. The unfortunate part is you have never had somebody who wants to challenge you outside of what you think you can do. So you're about to switch into a class because you think it's going to be easier. That's unfortunate because it could have been something better for you. Mm. How, how old was that guy? How old was that kid? Uh, I teach 10th grade. So what's that? 16, 15, 16. Okay. Wow. But it's just, it, it's unfortunate that, and I think that it, it it's a trend, right? Put the athletes in the low level, the basic classes, so that it's less rigorous, so that it's less demanding, so that they can have their focus on sports. Mm-hmm. That's a dis, in my opinion, that's a disservice to them. You know what, Chan? Service, especially when they're going into a, um, especially if they're, you know, planning on going to play sports in college. Um, you know, the oh transition, the transition is going to be, you know, so overwhelming. Which is why a lot of kids from, you know, low resource schools come home after the first semester or two because mm-hmm. they're not given the tools to succeed at that level. Exactly, and it's not it's not like they can't do it because I had conversations before. Man. You know, just being experienced through it. I think for so long, uh, as a student athlete, we come up, because a lot of us, we're intelligent. We know what we can do. We're ahead of the ball, all that. But I think when our athletic skill start to overshine our, our academics, I think teachers are you know guilty of it sometimes, too, and letting us brush bad just because of our, acad- I mean, uh, our athletic ability. And I think I think that plays a part to now as a student athlete, you get content with just brushing by to where you forget, like, man, I took this class back when or I, I know this, I know that, because you're content and just brushing by. Going off that, Chad, do um do you think that student athletes need a certain way of teaching to, to help them? kind of manage, you know, what they have to deal with in the classroom and in terms of uh, school and sports and, and try to balance everything together? Or do you think they should be bunched in with everyone else and, um, you know, just kind of take it on head first? That in, in some senses, yes, they need time management classes. They need team study halls. They need opportunities to be successful. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, you talk about um, different type of classes. Are there any electives or anything like that that you would recommend for student athletes that you think would uh, be able to help them with that time management or even, you know, life after sports or or the balance of a student athlete life? Is there anything that you would recommend a student athlete take um, either in the school that you're at or their first year in college to help them, you know, overcome being a student athlete? Um, as far as high school, um, this this conversation kind of started to resonate with me um, after the <laughs> semester because fortunately for me, I had the whole senior football team in my study hall. So I spent <laughs> ninth period with a lot, of, a lot of boys. And I noticed that after football season, no one knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Like these boys just sat around. And I... Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would tell them all the time, like, you know, listen, you're going to regret sitting around. So, like, it was every week. All right, five, I don't care if you even heard of the school or if you care about the school, but we're applying to five colleges. Like, what do you want to do? What do you, like, what do you want? What, like, what's next for you? Because in, in all honesty, you have your quote unquote star athletes who get all the attention from 
from the district, from the community. But what about your your players that are also seniors that weren't your star athletes? They're just left behind. So what supports are in place for them to ensure their success outside of high school? Did you so think, think a lot? Did you think a lot of the student athletes thought it was their, you know, sports or bus for them? Absolutely. And I think that that goes into just an urban community in general, right? Like that, these kids truly believe that's their only way out. And then you're talking about a community like, like ours, like McKeesport, we rally around sports, right? Like that's the priority. So when you prioritize sports over academics, why would these kids not prioritize sports over academics? Yeah, that, you're, you're that's right. You bring, up a, you bring up a good point on that. How would you... How would you say to find that balance between sports and academics? When when you know that a lot of, you know, our student athletes grow up playing sports their whole life and, you know, their talent is one that can, you know, get them a free education. You know, whenever you whenever you say that, a lot of kids are like, "Well, I need to focus on this sport because this is my way to pay for college." Um, how would you recommend finding that balance? In a school just having that that real life conversation of yeah you can get a full scholarship but you know you can also get a full academic scholarship right like yeah. there's there's opportunities out there for you to succeed in multiple avenues it just has to come down to what you want and how you balance and yeah. what what's the priority for you. that's yeah. a good point that's a good point you bring up with the academic scholarship because um, you know we I know I went to school with a guy who. Um, wasn't as highly recruited as he thought he should be, but ended up getting a full academic scholarship and still being able to play football at a, at a high level. So, um, you know, that can, you know, play a role for a lot of people further in their, not only their education, but their athletic career. I, th- I think where the urban, you know, areas fell at is uh, we're like, uh, I need to see it to do it. So whereas we see so many people get, scholarships and go on to college by playing a sport. We don't tend to see, or we at least don't shine a light on the students who go to uh, a university on academic scholarships. So I think that's where, you know, we as an urban area fell, fell at. But um, Chad, so uh, in your opinion, what's the biggest disservice you think as a, uh, as an educator, as a, as a teacher, as a mentor, all the things you do, what's the biggest disservice uh, to our student athletes that we uh, display towards them? The biggest disservice. Um, forgetting that they're kids. I think wow. Honestly, just forgetting that they're kids, right? So kids. It's, it's sometimes hard to separate that Friday night football star from the kid who's getting up Saturday morning who's trying to study for a calculus test who... Where's the support then, right? When he has no idea how to do a math problem. Like, they're kids. Chad. We, they're ex- I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The expectations that we put on them sometimes are just unfair. And I'm totally guilty as an educator, too. I think that my passion sometimes blinds the way that I view things. So my, if I have a kid who, who I just know can do so well because, you know, I'm educated enough and I'm experienced enough to know what they're capable of, I forget they're a kid. They haven't experienced what I experienced. They don't know what I know. So I have to sometimes take a step back and put myself in check and realize like, they kids. And it's okay to be a kid. Man. 
think, um, Chimere, like your other question, um, just, you know, what classes would I recommend student athletes to take uh, when they're going into college? I think that the the liberal arts classes, um, you know, we we preach for kids to to go to college to make a living, but why aren't we teaching them to just make a life in general, right? Mm -hmm. So like why right. are we teaching them to take classes that challenge their critical thinking, their communication, their problem solving, innovation in general, right? Like get out there and really challenge yourself and expose yourself to as much as possible so that you can truly make a life for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's and so those, true. Those tangible skills are, are super important. How do you add that? How do we add that to the uh, student athletes' life, to their to their uh, everyday life? The uh, you know uh, wanting more for yourself than just, and I hate to say it, but just money and success. What people say. How do you add that daily to someone's to student athletes' lives as a teacher, as an educator? I think honestly, it's as basic as talking them up. Right, talk to them, wow. get to know them, like give them, give them the conversation piece. That's what they need. Like if, you're, if you're having your kids in class and then after that it's all said and done, you're failing as a teacher. You have to have a relationship with these kids. You have to know them outside of your classroom. You got to know your players outside of sports because they're more than just a football player and they're more than just the kid in my English class. Wow. Yeah. With with that being said, Chad, you bring up a good point there. Um, a lot of a lot of teachers, you know, don't understand the student athlete experience. You know, you grew up around it. Baseball. Um, you, you got brothers who play sports. Um, what would, what advice would you give the teachers when dealing with student athletes? Honestly, I think it comes down to pure and utter ignorance. Like, and I'm I'm one hundred percent guilty of it. I mean, Dana, he could tell you himself. Like, I, as an academic person, like I've had my student athletes and and you know how and it was pure ignorance like it honest to god um so i think my advice to my fellow educators is to educate yourself and really work alongside these coaches and these players because at the end of the day we all have to be a team yeah you, for sure i we all you know as a coach you want you want your player to be all in as a teacher i want my player to be all in and i think you know i'm a strong believer in Wherever your feet are should be your focus. So, yeah, of yeah. course, in the field, that's where you're at. In the classroom, that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, all that has to come together for a greater purpose. And that's for that child to succeed in as many avenues as possible. Absolutely. And what, in what ways would you like to see coaches improve on working with teachers to, uh, to benefit the student-athlete? Um, I, I think uh, I've had this conversation with a couple of coaches. Um, in our district, we have a lot of coaches readily available. Um, and I've had the conversation with them of how are you in a building all day and you never step foot in my classroom? Wow. Your players, where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> like you got to have a presence, right? Like how do you, you have to have a presence outside of the field. Just like I'm at every sport event. I mean, I try to be. So my kids see me in different, in different situations. They know I support them not only as a student, but also as an athlete. So I That's need my great. coaches to support my, my kids as, as students and as athletes. Absolutely. How do you create that transparency, Chant? Like, uh, like say you see a guy who, a kid, not a guy, uh, like a, a student, you know what I mean? You and a, teacher, a coach are talking and you're like, well, this dude, his dad is in jail. His mom is going through this. And um, he came to school late for the past four days, but he's, he's uh, going to practice still. He's, he's suffering. How do you have that transparency with, 
You know what I mean? Not just with the, with the student and with the coach. Like, how can, you know what I mean, educators all have that transparency together and really zone in? Because those, I feel like um, there's a lot of people that need help, but a lot of those people, those kids like that in our district specifically, you know what I mean? They could use an extra boost. Honestly, I think that transparency comes down to that relationship you have with that kid because all the information you just gave me about that kid, if that kid doesn't have a relationship with me, I'm not going to know that. And wow. that kid probably doesn't want me to know that. So You're right about that. It, <laughs> then that's on me because I didn't build that relationship with that kid. So I got some, some backpedaling to do. That's strong right there. That is very strong right there. Seriously. There's so many people. And it's not just that. It's kids being bullied. You know, there's a lot of different scenarios, but there's a lot of it's taken away from um, the, the academics, if you know what I'm saying. And, and it's taken away from ultimately this, the athletics, too, because just no concentration or well, lack of concentration doesn't help. You know what I mean? And when you have that open time to focus on where you want to go to college or what you want to uh, major in and studying beforehand, like you said, um, or just even even just knowing what you need to do next week, next month. It's much easier to maneuver in life. You're like, okay, I work out this day. Uh, um, uh, we got a game that day, and I got this is for homework on Tuesday, and that's for homework Wednesday. You know what I mean? We have your schedule down pat. Even if something's going not going right at home, you're good. You're kind of in the, you know what I mean, going in the right direction. That's why, as much as um, kids will will say or or fight against um, the people that provide the most structure in their lives, they want that. I tell my they kids do. all the time. <laughs> I'm, they tell me I'm strict. I'm always on them. I'm like, that's not an insult by any means. You love the structure. You just are too young and immature yeah. to admit that. That's great to hear. To kind of wrap up the conversation, what are some what are some things that you would give to student athletes on how to conduct themselves in the classroom, ways that they can um, make better relationships with their teachers, um, anything that you can give to our student athletes to, um, you know, make their life a lot easier in the classroom? I think just honestly, um, Knowing what they need and if they feel like they don't know what they need, knowing that they have people around them that can help them figure out what those needs are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, Again, going back on the whole their kids, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So it's our jobs as the adults, as the mentors, as the coaches, as the educators to kind of be that guiding light for them, for that source, because they're at a very unstable part in their lives and we can't really expect more than that because they are kids so just you know i think that us as educators need to make sure as all of us as a team um need to make sure that we're kind of just providing them with the tools that they need to be successful in all avenues absolutely right i like i like that saying we don't know what we don't know yeah it's like we don't know what we do quote me next time though yeah, well, I, I, I but I think I think that falls that falls that, that's I, I love that but, um, as coaches that's something and coaches mentors uh we fail to do you know I mean we jump to conclusions you don't know what that kid's going through or you just assuming something and so it definitely falls on us as mentors coaches but also some responsibility the student athlete need to take also in my personal opinion that you can't assume that you know. Coach Ty knows I'm having a bad day at home. I, right. I, I got to be willing to open up to talk to him if I want him to understand where my mind's at for that day. 
You know what's so interesting about that, though? And I think what makes the relationship between coaches and educators so important? Um, when they're mad at you, Dana, they're call, they're coming to me. And they're talking <laughs> all about Coach Dane. You've so been there before. We've been there before. All of us. They don't like, they're going right <laughs> on that football field and talking crazy about me. That's why it is so important that we realize we all have to work together. Right. Because we're at, at the end of the day, we're outlets for them. Right. 100%. That's great. That's good stuff. Well, appreciate you coming on, Chance, spreading some of that uh, knowledge you have. Congrats on your, uh, you know, you, your doctorate um, candidacy. Uh, uh, good luck with that. Um, yeah, we appreciate you. Thanks, guys. This was awesome. I appreciate you too. No, I thought I thought the conversation was super good. So, well. Um, We'll continue, you know, to, to talk about the student-athlete experience, talk about, you know, the ways that teachers can collaborate with student-athletes and make sure that, um, you know, we're putting our best foot forward and, and wrapping our arms around that population and making sure that, um, you know, they're getting the best out of all of us. So we appreciate sure. you, man. I think, I think this conversation is super important, not only for our student-athletes to hear, but for teachers to hear. Because a lot of people don't understand, you know, what it takes to succeed as a student athlete. A lot of teachers don't understand, you know, what it takes to educate a student athlete. Like you said, with, um, you know, making connections with the coaches and, and, you know, really getting to know the kid, you know, beyond the classroom is going to be is going to be super important. And, um, you know, the more people that we get to to get on board with that, I think the better off we are, um, you know, on both sides of the spectrum. So. I really right. think everything that I really think everything that you said was uh, was spot on and super important. That it, it yeah, and made me it made me think about uh, what we talked uh, with Lamont about saying is a great ro uh, rules without relationships create rebellion. So I think if you don't have a relationship with you know the student athlete, that teacher, teachers, student athlete, and there's nothing know. good that's going to come out of it. Relationships are the foundation for everything. Um, but honestly, um, I think that you're right. These conversations do need to be had. Um, and I think like this was this is awesome that you guys are doing this. So I look forward Thank to you. the future of your podcast. I love listening. Appreciate you, Chan. We'll have to get you back on and talk talk about another topic whenever you finish up that uh that doctor. We'll give you a big uh, shout out. I'll be ready to go. No doubt. doubt, no doubt. Make sure y'all go ahead and Peace. hit that follow button right there. Status 412 underscore. Say, I don't know if you got an Instagram. You got an Instagram? I don't. I she got a burner account. She got a burner account. She got a burner account. She just be scoping people out, probably. I totally don't have an Instagram, but I am subscribed <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, right. see? Right. All right. can we can't both that story. then. Right. And when you're on Spotify, <laughs> let me know. I'll add it to my gym playlist. We, we on Spotify too, Chad. We, we on Spotify on now. There we go. Hey. Perfect. We, we got to shoot you the link. Audience. We'll shoot you the link. All right. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you. All right, Mr. Robinson.